Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hello there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Thanks for tuning in for another week of travel news, travel tips, and travel chats. I'm so excited about today's show because it's celebrating moms. And any chance I get to celebrate moms, I absolutely enjoy it. Mother's Day is right around the corner and a great way to bond with mom is to travel with her. If you haven't, let me tell you, it's such a rewarding experience. And if you have, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Fellow travel professional, Morel Howard, is here and she will join me with tips and ideas for traveling with mom. We'll also have Javon's Travel Minute and the Culture Report will take us on an underground railroad journey to Mexico with Russell Contreras. But right now, let's get into a little travel news. Head of the European Commission said the bloc would allow American tourists who have been fully vaccinated against COVID-19 to visit European Union over the summer. In a statement to the New York Times in Brussels, the president of the European Commission said, the Americans, as far as I can see, use European medicines, agency-approved vaccines. This will enable free movement and travel to the European Union. Also adding, because one thing is clear, all 27 member states will accept unconditionally all those who are vaccinated with vaccines that are approved by EMA. This includes Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. The president did not offer a timeline on when exactly tourist travel might open or details on how it would occur. However, her comments are a top-level statement that the current travel restrictions are set to change on the basis of vaccination certificates. She noted that the United States was on track and making huge progress with its campaign to reach so-called herd immunity or the vaccination of 70% of adults by mid-June adding that resumption of travel would depend on the epidemiological situation. Technical discussions have been ongoing between the European Union and the United States officials on how to practically and technologically make vaccine certificates from each place broadly readable so that citizens can use them to travel without restrictions. The hope, officials said, is that government-issued vaccine certificates issued by foreign governments would be acceptable and readable in the European Union and vice versa. The European Union itself has begun the process of furnishing its own citizens with digital green certificates, which will state whether the traveler has been vaccinated against COVID-19, has recovered from the disease in recent months, or has tested negative for the virus in the past few days. Europeans will be able to use those to travel without added restrictions, at least in principle, within the bloc of 27 nations. Oversized gate checked bags will now cost you on American Airlines. View from the Wing reports that American Airlines has a new policy for gate checking bags. It's effective immediately. If you gate check a bag on American Airlines and it does not fit in the carry-on sizer, you'll be asked to pay a checked bag fee for it. There are a couple of things to be aware of with this new policy. The fee won't apply to those who are entitled to free checked bags, including premium cabin passengers, Advantage Elite members, co-branded credit card members, or the like. Gate agents are supposed to charge this unless the process of collecting the fee would cause a departure delay. As it's explained, the new policy is intended to create a consistent customer experience for those who bring non-compliant bags to the gate. What do I think about it? I'm not completely mad at this. I have seen way too many oversized bags taking up all the overhead space. At least American Airlines isn't upcharging for gate checked bags like Spirit Airlines, who charges more to gate check a bag than to check a bag otherwise. But we know this means policing at the gate by gate agents and dealing with some unexpecting and unaccepting customers. But we've all heard it before. 
things like, but I flew with this bag last time, or I'm never flying American again. <laughs> but I'm an Advantage member. Remember, if you are an elite member, you don't pay, but not a regular Advantage member. Or you're telling me this big plane can't fit this bag? What's wrong with you? <laughs> yes, we've heard and seen this customer before. So what do you make of Americans' policy change for oversized carry-on bags? Let me know in an email, info at travelingculturati.com. Are you considering summer travel this summer? Well, here's what you may want to think about in planning your destination. Here are some of the hottest destinations according to some online surveys. Greece, especially Mykonos and Santorini. Turkey came in second, followed by Tanzania. So if you want to go to the Serengeti or Mount Kilimanjaro, also remember the Great Migration. That may be a draw for Tanzania. Iceland, which was one of the first countries to open to Americans. Think Reykjavik and the Blue Lagoon. Turks and Caicos, St. Bart's, Mexico, like Los Cabos and Cancun, of course. Anguilla, but remember, Anguilla is said that effective July 1st, only vaccinated travelers are welcome. And you have Croatia. Croatia is on our list as well. Split to Dubrovnik, August 27th through September 4th, along the Adriatic Sea, on a privately chartered super yacht or small cruiser. Also, Peru with Machu Picchu is at the top of the list. So let's see how this all unfolds with COVID restrictions and requirements. You know, the power of the passport is something that every country hopes to be at the top of the list of. That means you can visit the most countries without visa. It means your passport alone will get you into that country. Japan tops that list. They continue to hold that top spot and have done so for the last three years. The surge in coronavirus cases has certainly changed this list and has pushed the United States down to seventh position. We have access to only 186 countries visa-free, and we share that spot with Switzerland, the United Kingdom, Norway, Belgium, and New Zealand. Japan, as I mentioned, is at the top of the list. They can visit 191 countries without a visa. Singapore passport holders came in second place with 190. They used to be tied with Japan, but they lost a country, it seems. South Korea and Germany landed in the third spot with 189 countries. Fourth place with 188 destinations is shared by Italy. Finland, Spain, and Luxembourg. And fifth place with 187 country visits without a visa is Denmark and Austria. And that spot just above the United States, the sixth spot is actually a five-way tie with Sweden, France, Portugal, and the Netherlands. Oh, I forgot, Ireland. 186 countries can be visited without visa. Let's see how long it takes us to get back to the top of the list. And honorable mention, we have to talk about United Arab Emirates. They used to be in 62nd place in 2006. Today, they're in 16th place. The National Park Service unveils new underground railroad sites. 16 additions to be exact. The program preserves sites connected to the network of havens across the United States that offered shelter and aid primarily to enslaved African-Americans on their journey to free states and Canada and promotes educational or research programs pertaining to the Underground Railroad. Each of the now 682 listings in the extensive network located in 39 states, plus Washington, D.C. and the U.S. Virgin Island, provides insights into the experiences of freedom seekers who escaped slavery and the allies who assisted them. Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland said while speaking at the White House on April 23rd, today's announcement reminds us of the dark pages in our history books, but also highlights the incredible strength and resilience of black communities. We need to look no further than the news of this week to know that our work is not done and commit ourselves to real progress. To do that, we must start by recognizing the history that brought us here. 
For the new listings, you can go to nps.gov. That's the National Park Service website. And their new sites added in Florida, Georgia, and Massachusetts. The Kentucky Derby is underway today, May 1st. And the Kentucky Derby Museum is launching a major expanded exhibit giving black jockeys their due as founders of the sport. Black horsemen launched the Kentucky Derby, dominating the horse racing scene before being overtaken by Jim Crow laws, which forced them out in the early 1900s. In 1875, Oliver Lewis was the first jockey to win the Derby. He rode Aristides, who was trained by Ansel Williamson, another black man integral to the evolution of the run for the roses. Now this history is told and included in a revamped exhibit at the Kentucky Derby Museum that opened this past Monday in Louisville. The exhibit is titled, The Black Heritage in Racing. Museum spokeswoman Rachel Collier said in a statement, Black horsemen dominated the early days of the Kentucky Derby from the first Kentucky Derby in 1875 through 1903, right before the Jim Crow era pushed them out. All aspects of the history of the black horsemen in the racing industry are important to tell, which is why we're expanding our longtime permanent exhibit and have added a new tour and special programming along with our educational programs. Black Americans played a major role in thoroughbred racing, and now this story is being told rather than being just a footnote. Visitors will meet Isaac Murphy, one of the greatest jockeys of all time who was born into slavery, but went on to win three Kentucky Derbies. Unlike modern day jockeys who win about 20% of their races, Murphy won 44% of his. Also enshrined are stories like that of Stanley Burrell, AKA rap star MC Hammer. Besides being a hit maker, Hammer was a horse owner who won the Kentucky Oats in 1991 with Light Light and finished third in the 1992 Kentucky Derby astride the aptly named Dance Floor. Ha, didn't know that. Also this year, Kendrick Camouche is set to make history as the first black jockey to race in the Kentucky Derby in almost a decade. Carmouche follows his father, Sylvester Carmouche Jr. He was a professional equestrian from 1978 until a neck injury retired him in 2013. Since age 16, Carmouche has been riding professionally, racing across the nation and making a name for himself as one of the most sought after jockeys. He has amassed more than $118 million in earnings and garnered 3,400 victories over his career. And the real ID deadline has been pushed back yet again. The United States Department of Homeland Security has announced that the DHS was extending the real ID full enforcement date by 19 months, from August 1st, 2021 until May 3rd, 2023. Well, that's all I've got for travel news. And when I come back, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and fellow travel professional, Morel Howard, on Traveling with Mom. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. You know what to do. Head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com. Why? So you can connect with me on social media and you can join that travel club. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. Follow these tips if an airline reschedules your flight. If you have airline tickets for upcoming trips in the near future, chances are your flight schedule will change. This is because airlines have been tweaking flight schedules based on customer demand or lack thereof. This includes frequency, aircraft type, and flight times. In the event this happens to you, know your passenger rights. The airlines are required to notify you of major schedule changes. But there are times when a notification just doesn't get sent or received. 
So it's important to periodically check your itinerary, especially now. As a consumer, you do not have to accept the rescheduled itinerary if it doesn't suit you. According to the Department of Transportation, customers are entitled to a refund regardless of the reason if the booked flight is canceled by the airline. If the airline puts you on a schedule that requires a connection when you originally booked a nonstop flight, you can get a full refund. And if the new flight is more than two hours different from the original departure time and you are unhappy with the new schedule, you are also entitled to a refund. So before you accept the new itinerary, check to see if there's a more convenient schedule on another airline and possibly at a lower price. Then make your decision to cancel with the original airline and start over with a new ticket purchase. You can learn more about your rights at flyersrights.org and at the U.S. Department of Transportation website. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. Mother's Day is right around the corner. A great way to bond with your mom and show her some appreciation and love is to travel with her. And I've traveled with my mom many times. She absolutely loves to travel. And I absolutely love to travel with her. And if you want someone who will have your back at all times, you definitely want to travel with your mom. Joining me today on Reasons to Travel with Mom and some great mom trips is fellow travel professional Morel Howard. Well, hello, Morel, and welcome back. Hello, 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 and I'm glad to be back. How are you? I am doing great. Now, for all of you who follow and have been following me for some time, you know that Morel uh, used to join me every month with pre and post travel tips, and yes, a travel professional herself and has been so for many years. I won't say how many years, but I know it's been many uh, years. Been, yeah, 20 plus years. Woo. <laughs> my age. Yeah, wow. Exactly. That's why I wasn't going to say how many years. <laughs> but it's nice to have you back and especially on such a wonderful topic with Mother's yeah. Day. You know, this year is flying by so fast. I don't even know where April and March went, but you know, it is May. It has gone by quite fast. <laughs> last year. It seemed like we had 385 days in April I, last year, yeah. and this time it's like, oh, it's already May. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I that. Yeah. Well, you know what, Morel? I have vivid memories of traveling with my mom, and we've taken several trips together and had some wonderful experiences. One in particular that stands out is a trip that we took to Las Vegas, and mm -hmm. neither of us are casino goers, so we stayed okay. outside of Vegas at the Green Valley Ranch. It's more of a resort-style oh, nice. hotel, and it's in close enough proximity where we could still go to the Strip. Mm -hmm. But we really wanted to relax and enjoy the property, and we wanted to see some of the other sites as well. Now, we did go to the Strip to yeah. enjoy dinner and a show. We went to see Gladys Knight. That was <laughs> lovely, and she had her brother with her. Okay. So it was a very nice show. show. Yeah, it was a very nice show. Mm -hmm. and we also did the Grand Canyon West Drive, Fly, and Float. <laughs> With the Grand Canyon, did you go onto the portion where it's the plexiglass and you can see it all the way down? No, we didn't do that. This was actually before that actually was completed. I might have been able to convince my mom to go. I can usually convince her to do some things, even though she goes kicking and screaming. But I can usually <laughs> convince her to do some more adventurous things. But we traveled by road in a Jeep from the Strip, or from our hotel, actually, to the Grand Canyon, the West Drive. We just went to one of the rims. And then we did a helicopter Wow. Yeah, oh, we did a helicopter to the Grand Canyon floor. And then we also did a boat oh, trip wow. on the river, but we also stopped at the Hoover Dam. So we did all of that in a day. And one of the things I remember so vividly and why I picked this trip to talk about is because it was the first time my mom had been in a helicopter. Hmm. And when we... What about you? Was that the first time you've been in one? No, it was not oh. the first time I had been in a helicopter. But when we got in mm -hmm. and I looked over to my mom, she had this smile on her face <laughs> like she was five years old. Oh, and store. it that. was priceless. And those are the joys that mm -hmm. I really had. What about you and memories of traveling and those explorations with your mom? Well, my mother and I, we haven't 
travel together in a very, very long time, meaning outside of on a plane or something like that. My mother loves going to Vegas and she stays on the strip <laughs> with her girlfriend. But my mother, I love spending so much time with my mother that we do a lot of day trips and state trips and trips in and around the greater Chicagoland area that I'm always spending time with her and doing something like that. Yeah. So last year for, was it last year for Mother's Day? The year before last, I treated her and my aunt to the Hammond Casino for Mother's Day. So we went to church, bought her flowers, and gave her, you know, some pocket change to go. We went to the buffet. I had some sing to her. And also it was a really wonderful time. So I love just spending just day trips with my mom and just doing things around the city. And in addition to that, too, my mother is 82. She'll be 83 this year. So kind of getting her to just be a little active, but also understanding that, you know, my mom, she can't walk long distances, but she can. You know, it's a blessing that she's not on a cane or in a wheelchair or a walker, you know, so she does have her wits about her. So that's one of the things I love, just spending time with her. Absolutely. So our moms are around the same age. My mom just turned 80 this February. So excited about that. Yeah, we had to do the virtual, you know, but it was wonderful. And you know what, these are the reasons to travel with mom. I mean, that list is long, but certainly it's therapeutic for both of you. I don't know about you, but when I'm spending that time with my mother, it is therapeutic. And it's not always about having long conversations and things like that. Sometimes just being in your mom's presence is therapeutic. Absolutely. Absolutely. This past weekend, I come back from out of town and I needed to see, I just wanted to see my mom. I needed to see my mom. And I fell asleep in her bed. I took a nap in her bed. I did, like you just said, I just wanted to be around her, you know, just to be in her presence and not saying anything. Yeah. So I do enjoy any time that we have together. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier, mom will always look out for you. Any trip that we've ever been on, she always has that eagle eye and she's looking out for you. And if anybody's going to have your back, it's mom. So when you travel with mom, yeah, you travel with mom, she's got your back. (laughs) And, you know, you get to know so much more about your mother when you're spending that one-on-one time with her and you're getting closer to her and she's getting closer to you. But you really learn things about your mother that you wouldn't otherwise get an opportunity to learn because you're spending that time together. You're both in different circumstances. And so you learn so much more about each other. Mm-hmm. One of the other things are the memories are just priceless, just priceless. You'll never forget those moments Absolutely. that you spend with mom. Absolutely. I have one quick memory on one of our day trips here in Chicago. My mother and my nephew, Isaiah and I, we were walking to the museum. We parked on the other side of the Museum of Science and Industry, so we walked over. And as we were walking over, there was a car that was coming, and he stopped at the light. But the way that he came, he kind of came up on a crosswalk, and my mom thought he was going to hit him. And I was like, Mom, no, he's fine. We got to the other side of the street. There was a bench. My mother sat down like, oh, my God, I felt him just hit me in my leg. I need to sit down for a little bit. He <laughs> 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 just that old, you know, my mom was like, <gasps> I just have that sensation that he did hit me kind of thing. So yeah. like, we haven't even gotten to the museum yet. So it started there. <laughs> <laughs> That's a wonderful memory. Yeah, it started there with her. <laughs> and to round off my other top reason to travel with mom, it's just a great way to show her your gratitude and appreciation mm-hmm. for Absolutely. giving you Absolutely. life and all of the things that she did to raise you and mm-hmm. care for you and Again, when I look back to that moment on the helicopter when my mother looked at me and I looked at her and she Uh had this grin on her face and she looked like she was five. And (laughs) I never forget that look Mm -hmm. and the gratitude that I showed to her with this Mm -hmm. experience And then just that response that I got Mm -hmm. was priceless. Mm -hmm. So all of those. And again, the reasons are endless, but those are my top reasons to travel with mom. So let's talk about some great trip ideas for traveling with mom. So some of the things I thought about, and we'll talk about each of them a little bit more, are staycations. Mm-hmm. You can do generational, invite the whole family. Your mother and parents love to spend time with 
not only you, but their grandchildren and in some cases, great grandchildren. Day trips, as you talked about, that you do a lot with your mom, going on long walks. That's a trip in itself, just going for long walks or incorporating long walks into your trips. Going to a garden, that's part of a day trip. A spa getaway is a great thing to do, and you can spend a lot of time together. And if your mom, like my mom does, love wine like I do, a winery or a wine getaway, and then think about adding some adventure, and we'll talk about some of those additional things that you can do, and then some things to consider once you start to make your plans. Let's talk about some staycation ideas. Now, since we're still in the pandemic, one of the things you want to ask yourself is, is your mom vaccinated? Are you vaccinated? And then maybe staying closer to home may be more ideal. These are some of the reasons you may want to consider a staycation over traveling further away or getting on a plane. And that doesn't mean that you can't get away from home because you can drive. There are lots of different things you can do. So what are some of your thoughts on a staycation? I love staycations, especially with this pandemic. I am vaccinated. My mother isn't just yet. So we still keep her in a little bitty bubble close to home. And with the staycation, you can do something because of the pandemic. A lot of the hotels in the greater Chicagoland area, you can go and work from their hotel rooms from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. with comp parking. Or you can just do kind of like a magnificent mile city tour or shopping, and they'll give you a great rate with dinner. Those things are wonderful to get reconnected to the city, the city that we were literally shut in from last year. Get back out and about and just enjoy the city and then take in some of the perks and some of the wonderful sites of Chicago. And you can do that in the greater Chicagoland area. I just chose downtown Chicago because of the Bean. And you can go to the Willis Tower and the John Hancock. You can take in all of those sites. Yeah. So vacation right now it's perfect. And you can do those things, whatever city you're in. And Mm -hmm. if you want to get in the car and drive to a location or destination that's just outside of the city from wherever you are, you can stay in a B and b you know, Mm -hmm. thinking about something a little bit smaller where you can control your environment a little bit more. Think about some great outdoor activities, especially, you know, you're saying in your situation, your mom is not vaccinated. So you want to do more outdoor Mm -hmm. activities. And again, because we are in the pandemic, you have to plan, you have to plan, you have to plan, especially now to see what is open and prepare yourself for any of those protocols. And as far as dining, you want to make sure you're doing alfresco dining, especially if one or both of you are not vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about some of those generational types of trips that you can do. A great family get together. And I know we love getting together as a family. And again, you know, on the many virtual calls that we've had this past year, one of the things my mother says is that she just loves seeing all of her family and spending Uh time with all of her family. So you think about generational, you can go to national parks They're great for the whole family. So you basically want to think of activities that every age level, one, is going to enjoy, but two, will have the ability to enjoy. So national parks are great ways to enjoy for the entire family. You can think of a villa or a vacation rental. And then that way you create your own bubble and you're all together. Absolutely. All-inclusive is also very easy for everyone and Mm -hmm. will have activities for everyone. So again, in planning generational, you really just want to make sure that you're considering and picking activities and accommodations that are going to suit every age group. What are some of your ideas for generational trips? I love, like you said, making sure that you do something for everyone. I would love to do like a Disney generational trip, something for everyone, something along those lines. And you can stay in the villa in Walt Disney World, something that's closer to home. We can drive up to Kenosha, Wisconsin, or to Geneva and rent out a home, like you said. And instead of getting an all-inclusive, we will go to the grocery store and we can buy our favorite foods and cook together and then just sit around the table and just eat and communicate and just spend time together with one another. Something a little bit more closer to home, I don't have any biological children, but I do have a goddaughter, and her name is Zoe, and I call my mother and my goddaughter my golden girl 
you know, so we're the hard way. So we will do activities as far as arts and crafts, or we'll go to the Botanic Garden. We'll go to the one of the museums or Lincoln Park Zoo, one of the zoos, and we'll just enjoy each other's company and walk around and get some activity in, get some cardio in. And then lastly, one of my favorite things that I love doing is kind of seasonal things as far as the holidays are concerned. You will always find me at someone's pumpkin patch around Halloween or seeing some city lights for Christmas. If you're not able to go to Christmas Mart overseas or something like that, then you could still do those adventurous things here and be generational and still have a really great time. The thing that I love about bringing the family together, one of the points that you brought up, so if you're staying in a villa or a vacation rental, Airbnbs have made it a lot easier for vacation rentals and a lot more affordable is that, yeah, you can spend that time together in that home and as you've created your own bubble. But with history and heritage, there are plenty of museums, especially for African-Americans now. But whatever your heritage is, that's a great thing to do for a generational Mother's Day trip. But certainly we have now the National Museum of African American History and Culture, the National Museum of African American Music, the National Museum of Peace and Justice. South Carolina is about to open a new museum at the end of this year or the beginning of next year. So again, history and heritage is a great thing to do. Now, Morel has already given us a lot of great ideas and thoughts about day trips. And so there can be a day trip that you can do for Mother's Day. And this is really going to depend on where you are, of course. But for great ideas in your area, you can just get online put in day trip ideas. And because of Google and mapping, it'll give you some great ideas of day trips to do in and around your area. So whether you can walk or drive or whatever that mode of transportation is going to be. But certainly a spa day is a great day trip for mom. Who does not love a spa day? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Getting the mani and the pedi and the massage, your lashes done. Yeah, eyebrows. Oh, okay, that's me. But I'm just saying, who doesn't love a spot? <laughs> yeah, mom will love that too. And when you're talking about city tours, some of the things you can consider are like the hop on, hop offs. They're great because you get a chance to tour the city. The transportation is included there mm-hmm. for you. And exactly. you can get off mm-hmm. at particular points and then get back on and continue Mm -hmm. thus the name hop on hop off (laughs) and they have different time frames that you can buy and different routes that you can buy in a lot of your major cities and some of them come along with other things and then some cities also have city pass which will give you entry into different museums and sites and also some city passes will have skip the line privileges which is great (laughs) it is it's a three for one it's perfect absolutely i love doing a hop on hop off tour especially if i'm in rome or in new york because like you said that's my taxi and i'll get a two or three day hop on hop off tour and i absolutely love it absolutely yeah and if you're doing a day trip you can do a long walk incorporate that into your day. And it's a great way to bond. You know, when you walk, you tend to talk and you get to share. But the other thing with walking is you can map out your walk and make it exploratory. Walk to maybe some of the sites. And of course, you can go to any of the national parks or you can make it a city sites walk. But certainly engaging in that conversation and spending that time together is is very important. They definitely have walking tours, and then a lot of the cities have segway tours and bike tours as well. You know, so you can do that and get into the city in one of those modes of transportation, too. You certainly can. And everybody's mom, we have so many different levels of activity, and everyone's mom is different. So, yeah, you can definitely do a city tour on bike as well. That's a great idea and a great tip. Gardens. Moms love flowers and gardens. And what better way rather than just sending her flowers than taking her to a garden and getting flowers there or just spending that day at the Mm -hmm. botanical gardens. You're giving me planting a seed for Mother's Day because I'm trying to think of something different to do. Yeah, and learning more and more about those and then picking out some flowers together that you can Mm -hmm. take home. We talked about a spa day, but there can be a spa getaway 
mm-hmm. where you're going to overnight at a spa resort where everything that you need is there, all of mm-hmm. the treatments. And typically these spa resorts are going to be in fantastic areas where you can do a lot of outdoor activities mm-hmm. as well. Warmer climate, you can spend a lot of the time outside by a pool or a canyon and walking, things like that. Wineries, that could be a day trip or it could be a getaway. There are usually a local winery not too far from your city, and that's a great way to explore new wines, local wines, and you never know what you may find and love. But certainly if you want to jump in, you can do a wine getaway and go to some fabulous places. Of course, in the United States, California is a big wine destination, but there are other wine destinations and wine production places in the United States that you can explore, like Oregon, for example. Great wines out of Oregon. Virginia has some nice wines that you can explore. Detroit, places you wouldn't naturally think of, but you can certainly do a wine getaway and put together a whole package of wines and wine experiences with tasting and Then also exploring and dining out in some of these places and exploring wines through your meal courses as well. The culinary aspect of it. I would have never thought Virginia for a wine country. Never would have thought that. In itself, it's not a wine country, but there are some wineries there that you can go to. Yeah, (laughs) and and Detroit as well. Yeah, so some cities that you wouldn't naturally think of, you can find some nice getaways there. And then adding a little adventure. So how do you add a little adventure to a Mother's Day outing? Stepping outside the box, like maybe going for a hike or doing something that she would not normally do. I'm just thinking of along the lines of mothers to do something that they've never done before. That's the first thing that comes off the top of my head, you know, going for a hike and a forest preserve of some sort of that way. And you can take a class. It could be a cooking class or a craft class, an origami class, (laughs) a painting class, a pottery class. Mm -hmm. So think about those things that you can do as adding a little adventure and also like a day trip or a getaway. And learning something together is another bonding moment will bring Mm -hmm. you together. You can volunteer we volunteer all the time at the Greater Food Depository. We've gone there Saturdays on end packing up food for the communities and people that need it. So definitely my mother and I and my family, I'm very big and keen on charity and giving that. Absolutely. That's something we definitely do all the time. And that, too, is a great bonding experience. Mm-hmm. And it's something you can do on a generational day trip or trip mm-hmm. with mom so that everybody can participate. And again, anytime you're getting together and doing things, it's a great bonding a great moment. So let's talk about some things to keep in mind when planning a trip with mom. Number one on the list is ability, because, you know, again, your mom could possibly be, you know, a senior 80s, 90s, and even if they're not in that age range, because some in their 80s and 90s are very active, very fit, very healthy. So at any age, what is the ability of mom, the mobility of mom? And so that will dictate what Mm -hmm. you're going to plan, or certainly you want to consider that when you're doing your plans. And then also, I want to add a little adventure to this part with the ability of them being able to do things and then stepping outside of their normal things Having a little adventure for something that they wouldn't normally do. You're saying push them a little bit further. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Have a little bit of adventure. I think that would be perfect for their ability and adventure at A&A. Mm-hmm. And consider the interests. What interests does your mom have? And if you're not sure, just look up some questions to ask, uh, to find out a little bit more. You know, what would you like to do that you haven't done? What would you like to learn that you don't know. You know, you can just ask these questions and then put together a program that's going to benefit mom specifically, but, mm-hmm. you know, some things that both of you can enjoy as well. And then consider the time Absolutely. that you have. I know you like something until you actually do it or see it. It may be your new thing that you like to do, that you can start a new tradition with your mother. Absolutely. And don't forget, we are still in a pandemic. So going back to my initial point, Are you vaccinated? Is mom vaccinated? Mm -hmm. What can you do? What can't you do? What are some of the protocols? What are some of the things to keep safety and security Mm -hmm. top of mind? So you definitely want to consider all of that. Any closing thoughts, Morel? These are great ideas for spending time with your mother. 
and you gave me a great one for Mother's Day. So about the flowers, I'm going to look into that. Thank oh, you so much for that. You're welcome. <laughs> you know what? That's the beauty of two professionals talking to each other is that we give each other great ideas. Absolutely. You have some of the best. I always give my mother sunflowers and I sing the Oscar Mayer song. You're my sunshine, my only sunshine. <laughs> and at the end I go, Oscar Mayer. <laughs> you know, so I would love to find a place where we can go and pick flowers, especially the sunflowers. That would be awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you. And thank you so much for joining me today. And it's such a pleasure speaking with you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me always. This was great. Now, when we come back, I'll have the culture report with journalist Russell Contreras on the Underground Railroad. Wait for it to Mexico. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to the Traveling Culturati. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Connect with me on social media and visit the website, TravelingCulturati.com. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. This is the Culture Report. Now, we know about the Underground Railroad and how the enslaved headed north with hopes of freedom. However, some followed a lesser known trail of the Underground Railroad and headed south for freedom. You've heard that right. It is a surprising and little known fact that some folks did head south. Well, on the phone with me to tell us about the Underground Railroad to Mexico is Russell Contreras. He's a justice and race reporter at Axios covering the policies and agencies at the heart of the administration of justice and how it impacts people of color. He's also the co-author of the Axios Latino newsletter. Before joining Axios, he worked as a member of the race and ethnicity team at the Associated Press based in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where he covered politics, travel, entertainment, and communities of color. He has worked at the Boston Globe and the Albuquerque Journal. Well, hello, Mr. Contreras, and welcome to Traveling Culturati. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. Love the show. Well, thank you so much. And I was so excited when I came across this article that you pinned in the Associated Press last fall. Story of the Underground Railroad to Mexico gains attention. That really piqued my interest because, as I said in the opener, we know and hear mostly about the Underground Railroad, and folks were heading north. No one wanted to head south. But there was an Underground Railroad that headed south to Mexico. What brought you to that story? Well, right after Hurricane Harvey struck Houston, Texas, the town of my birth, I went down there to report about what was the effects of the hurricane on Houston. And I saw that it adversely affected people of color, communities of color, especially neighborhoods that are where I grew up. I grew up in a largely Mexican-American and, and black community. And one area I wanted to see the effects was an area called Freemantown. This was a community there in downtown Houston built by former enslaved people. And its history goes way back before the Civil War. As I was looking at some of these buildings that had been destroyed, or over time had either fallen into disarray, I talked to one activist that said, yeah, that place over there, we were really sad to lose it, and it was destroyed. And then this woman said, it's so sad because it was connected to the Underground Railroad to Mexico. And I wrote that in my notes. I'd heard about this story as a kid growing up in Houston, but you don't really understand the significance until you're an adult. So I wrote it down. I told my editors at the Associated Press, I told my team, this is something I want to look at over time, and they were fascinated. One of my friends and former colleagues, Jesse Holland, he's written two books about enslaved people, including a book about the enslaved people who built the Capitol in the White House. He never heard of it. And he started Googling. And when I talked to him again later, he's like, I gotta be honest with you, man. You said something about this Underground Railroad to Mexico. I'm fascinated. I was Googling all night. I went into like three in the morning looking at this story, as did my editor, Sonia Ross. So I found, I said, this is something we should look at. I'm trying to find out how can I do a story about it. So for three years, as I was doing other things, 
I would dabble and look and see if there's any research. And over time, I started seeing that historians, especially black and Latino historians, were starting to dive and trying to put together this piece of puzzle uh, on a part of American history that most folks didn't know about. So over time, I started gathering. and It wasn't until the pandemic, when I had time to sit here, that I really started putting together the story. And it was fascinating. Not only did it uncover something interesting about American history, but it also uncovered something very personal to me. Now, one person that you mentioned in the story is Roseanne, is it Baja Garza? Yes. As a historian who came across this history, what did she find? She came down and she was in a university right near the border. She started looking and looking at the history. She was trying to build something related to the Civil War, how Texas and that area in the borderland, near McAllen, Texas, was connected to the Civil War battles, kind of put the area in context for the battle for freedom and emancipation. And what she would would uncover in the archives is she would see these ads put in newspapers where white slave owners would ask the public to look for their quote-unquote escape property. And she started noticing patterns that all these ads said, we believe Sammy, who has a scar under his left eye, escaped to Mexico. We believe that Sarah, who has a lazy eye, is down somewhere in Mexico. And as she started piecing together, she started noticing, and through all histories, there were these stories about enslaved people leaving parts of Texas and going south. Some so far had lived in Louisiana, and maybe possibly Alabama, escaping some route to south. And she was able to find out that there was this clandestine path, not as organized as the one in the north, and not as well-funded as the one in the north, but something going south. And she started digging, and then she uncovered that these regions, these areas, not only had people who escaped, but also families that were connected to a loosely organized network that allowed people to go to freedom. Now, do we know any more about those former slaves and those who helped them along the way? We know very little. What we do know is that through the archives is that people escaped to parts through Eagle Pass and through McAllen, Texas, to towns about an hour or two south of the U.S.-Mexico border. A town called Monclavo, Mexico, was a hotbed where former enslaved people went and kind of gathered themselves before they moved on. These areas were so packed with former enslaved people that white abolitionists, when they went down, were surprised to see so many black people in a Mexican town. They could barely speak Spanish. They knew English. And then we know that slave catchers would go into Mexico to try to recapture these folks. And I have to remember, in the early 1800s, slavery was abolished in Mexico, 1824, if I believe. So there was an adverse reaction to Americans going in and invading Mexico. And over time, the Mexican folks would protect these enslaved folks, and there would be battles that would arise over slavery way before the U.S. Civil War. And what would happen with these former enslaved people is they would leave these safe havens and go deeper into Mexico and lost for history. We do know that some learned Spanish and some married into families. They became civil servants. We know one case where a former enslaved person became a postmaster. We know of others who became politicians and then joined the Mexican army. But because they didn't have documents, documenting their even existence as people. They recreated their lives, they changed their names, they mixed into the communities, and then disappeared to history. Now, I do know that there are some black towns in Mexico. You mentioned a location where a lot of the enslaved went to, but today there are some black towns in Mexico. Could they be the descendants of the enslaved who escaped from the United States? I believe so. Right near in northern Mexico, about two hours south of Eagle Pass, there's a village called Nacimiento de los Negros. And it literally means birthplace of black people. It is a place where you can find the descendants of these former enslaved people, but also the descendants of black Seminoles. Right around this time, Mexico invited black Seminoles who had been expelled to Oklahoma to come to Mexico. We need you to be a buffer against these slaveholder invasions and also other native tribes who keep coming in and having conflicts with our communities. 
So these black Seminoles, who were from Florida, who were themselves descendants of slaves, came down to northern Mexico and then mixed in with these former enslaved African Americans from Texas and Louisiana and created this own community. This is one of the few places in Mexico where they have monuments dedicated to this history. Unfortunately, they've been hit hard with cartel violence. They've been hit hard with economic devastation. And the irony is now these folks, these descendants, whose ancestors once had to cross the border and go around these slave catchers, are now coming to the United States and are avoiding the federal government who is trying to keep them in Mexico. So at one point in history, they were prevented to escaping. Today, they're prevented from coming in. The Underground Railroad to Mexico is one of our most overlooked periods of history and highlights, of course, Black and Latinos working together to fight slavery. So why do we think that that part has practically been erased without these little nuggets that we are discovering now? That's a good question. I talked to a retired historian out of California, Ron Wilkins. He was a member of SNCC back in the day and a historian. He dedicated his whole life to the study and dissection of African-American history. And he stumbled upon this, and he became absolutely fascinated. And what he discovered is that there's a long history of Mexican-Americans and African-Americans working to fight discrimination and racial terror. And when I posed him, well, why don't we know more about the Underground Railroad to Mexico and this long history of coalition building? And he's like, well, it's because black scholars are in one area of their history and Latino scholars on the other side. There's a lot of work that needs to be done to uncover our own history, but very seldom do we come together and see what did we do in the past. You live in Chicago. We tend to focus on our history of grievances against each other, and this usually goes down to the school board fights, right, or the city council races, or the mayoral elections, right? And we do know that black and Latinos live in the same neighborhoods, and when we're looking for political power, we tend to run against each other. We tend to think that there's this small pie, right? that we have to fight for that small piece, not actually going for our whole pie, our bacon and new pie. And if you look at the history, especially in the 19th century, there is a long history of Mexican-Americans and African-Americans working together. Mexican-Americans, especially Portajanos, played a key role in the Underground Railroad to Mexico. They were the ones that provided safe haven along the road. This could not have happened without them. And so did Native Americans. The story is archived because it was a story that I came across in the fall. But if you Google story of the Underground Railroad to Mexico gains attention, you will find it in the Associated Press. And again, the author is Russell Contreras. Russell, again, thank you so much for joining me today. And I want you to stay in touch with me. And any other nuggets that you find of this piece of history, let me know because... We want to continue this conversation. Absolutely. I love to talk about this history. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and